Well, this morning we're going to take a, a quick break from uh, Acts as we think through um, some issues related to motherhood. Um, you know, oftentimes motherhood sermons can be, here's how to be a great mother. And those are, those are good things to talk about. They really are. Um, but sometimes on, sometimes on Mother's Day, those can be hard sermons to hear, can't they? And so today we're, we're taking a little bit different tact. We're going to be talking about finding our identity in Christ as we parent, whether you're a father or mother uh, or a grandparent, or, or even as you help raise someone that, that may not be your child. You know, there are many situations like that. Uh, and so first we're going to look at a couple of scriptures, and at first blush you think, what in the world does this have to do with Mother's Day? Uh, but I, I hope you'll find that as we go along it has everything to do with it. So we have two texts. Uh, the first is uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 21, uh, verse, uh, through verse 26. Hear now the word of the Lord. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The second text you'll find in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. So keep me so to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of satan to harass me and keep me from being too elated three times i pleaded with the lord about this that it should leave me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. And so, Father, we are thankful for your word, uh, which tells us richly of the gospel of Christ. Uh, I pray that in our time together, you would open our eyes uh, to the great treasures of your word and the promises that we have in Christ, all of which are yes and amen in him. Uh, Father, we pray for unction. We pray for anointing. We pray that you would work in the hearts and the minds, not, of, not just of the preacher, but also the hearer. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges that mothers face today is that of the relentless pressure that is placed upon them to be perfect mothers. I really do. I think this is something that, that kind of comes from every side of our culture. And even sometimes within the church when we perhaps misapply expectations. You know, a sort of superwoman whose clothes are always perfect, who is always on time, whose meals are rated by the Cordon Bleu Institute. Right? Someone who has it all together, uh, who never serves mac and cheese with hot dogs cut up in it, and whose house is always straight, right? Um, Lord, help us if that's the standard that mothers have to hit in order to be a good mother. Um, but that is the expectation. You know, with the rise of, of, of entertainment, of TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and, and all the others, right? 
you know, the reason that, uh, I loved Rob's sermon on Wednesday night, didn't you? And he talks about this, you know, of mothers taking a hundred pictures to get just the right one, and that's the one you put on Facebook. Um, you know, that this image that our lives are perfect and all together wonderful with no struggles and no problems, you know, that's just not real. It's not. Right? Mothers and fathers should work hard to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They should work. Parenting is hard, and we are called to holiness. We are called to godliness. We are called to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, which takes a lot of work and dedication. Yes. We just have to be really careful that the expectations that we're placing upon ourselves really are the right ones and really are the godly ones. Um, you know, sometimes, actually, when we, when we accept, when mothers especially are forced to accept a set of expectations that aren't, aren't the biblical expectations of a godly mother. It's not just that they can't meet those. It's also that it keeps them and keeps anyone in this situation away from the godly standards. You know, we can only be focused on one thing at a time. And if our expectations of motherhood or fatherhood or grandmotherhood, or grandfatherhood, or unclehood, or aunthood, or those, those are good words, right? You know, the reality is that if our, if our standards and those things are, are not the appropriate ones, it's not just that we're chasing after ones that aren't going to fulfill, it's actually going to keep us from pursuing the ones that will. The world's expectations for the perfect mother, right, of performance, perfection, of promptness, right, are these... This, this leads to a great... Um, level of anxiety, especially in young mothers. I mean, there's actually a lot of literature about this. Uh, this, is, this is a real issue in our culture. Um, you know, the idea that a mother must be a perfect parent, a perfect wife, perfect, perfect people with perfect relationships, that there's no, no surprise that it ends up with producing a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety. I remember several years ago interacting with an elementary student. It wasn't my children, but um, he was in first grade. And, and he was wigging out about a test he had. He was beside himself in first grade. I mean, he had this tremendous test anxiety in first grade. And as we talked, we got to talking, and, and, and it became clear that he thought if he missed one question, then he got an F. Right, if you weren't perfect, then you were a failure. There's that terrible movie I cannot recommend from the pulpit. You should see the TNT version, in which it says, if, you know, if you're not first, you're last. Some of you know which one I'm talking about. If you're not first, you're last. And how oftentimes that's how we live. And oftentimes that's the expectations on mothers. If you make a mistake, then you're a terrible, awful, no good mother. And that's just not true. You know, the problem then is that our, it's a matter of identity and worth. What, where is our identity? Where is our worth? If we're in Christ, our identity is in Christ. It is not in motherhood. That's important. If we are in Christ, it's not in your work. It's not in what you do. Rob did so well on this Wednesday night. It is in Christ. You may have been called to motherhood. If you're a mother, then you've been called to motherhood. It's pretty simple. Um, but you've not been called to put your identity in Christ. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, wonderful words, Come to me, all you who labor 
and are heavy laden. Are there any heavy laden mothers this morning who can't live up to the expectations of the Facebook world of motherhood? Were you late for church this morning? What about the football, or not the football, I guess most practice is done, right? I guess you're about to graduate. Were your kids late for something this week? Did you miss something? Did you forget something? Whew, you must be a failure. No, of course not. But the world would tell you that. And, and to that, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And what? And I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Don't you yearn for rest? Take my yoke upon me, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, sometimes, you know, all the time rather, something or someone, some things or someones are going to rule our hearts. And a lot of times the way that our culture works is we put so much focus on our children that uh, it really prompts and pushes fathers and mothers to put their identities in their children, right, rather than in Christ. You see this at the ball field. You want to know why that father is so mad at his son for missing the ball? You want to know why? It has nothing to do with that child. It has everything to do with him and his heart. He has found his righteousness in the success or failure of his son on the ball field. Now, yelling at the official, that's a different matter altogether. But if you're yelling at your children for... <laughs> You know, the question is, what is our heart ruled by? Is it ruled by anything other than Jesus? And when that happens, excuse me, and when that happens, um, bad things happen in our hearts. See, the world would tell you that you have to have it all together. You know, you have to have all the answers. You can use Pinterest as a crutch if you have to. All the excitement needed to raise your children You know, the problem is that the Bible says that apart from Christ, we're not good at much. Um, Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, I knew I was selfish, and then I got married, and I thought, wow, I'm really selfish. And then we had children. I thought, I had no idea. I knew I was self-righteous, and I got married, and it really revealed it. And then we had children, like, whoa. That's just the parts that God's revealed to me. If you've been a parent more than 30 seconds, you've seen your failures. And it can be pretty scary at times, can it? It really can. Losing your temper, being short. Um, See, for all of sin, the the sense here is actually, and continue to fall short of the glory of God. It's not just a one-time thing. If we're believers, it's not like this is our past it's, it's actually like I continue in my heart to sin against God. But here's the good thing that we, you've already said that you'd be willing to die for in the Apostles' Creed, and it's that you believe in the forgiveness of sins. I think that's the sweetest line in the Apostles' Creed. The world doesn't. The world doesn't believe in forgiveness of sins. Just in our cancer cult, cancel culture, you know, like, if something does, someone does something bad or has the wrong views, what do you do? You get rid of them completely, and there is no path to redemption. There's nothing they can do, right? The only thing that can happen is that enough people forget about it five years later that they slowly return back into the limelight, 
Uh, There's no way for forgiveness. But, But that's not true, period. As we turn to Christ, when we fail as mothers and fathers, there is forgiveness there. There is redemption there. There really are only two options with our failures. Either we focus on them to the point where we live in depression because we can't do it. We cannot make up for it. Right? It's in the past and it's happened. Or we give it to Jesus. And He has taken it upon the cross. See, the good news is that while we continue to sin and fall short of the glory of God, we know that there's something we can do with our transgressions. And that's what this Romans 3 text we read earlier says. We have been justified by His grace as a gift. You know what justified means? It means to be declared righteous. If you knew my heart, you would say, He's been declared righteous? Wow, He really doesn't deserve that. That's right. I don't. How have we been declared righteous? It is through the gift that is given to us in Christ. Do we fall and falter as mothers and fathers? Yes. Where is our righteousness in that? No. It is in Christ Jesus. He has given us His perfect record. He has paid for our sin by His blood. And now we receive this gift by faith. Mothers, you cannot earn this forgiveness and righteousness. You cannot be frantic enough You can't wash enough loads of laundry, juggle enough days of work and sick kids. You can't make enough casseroles. You can't heat up enough frozen meals to earn this forgiveness. It's given to you free of charge by Jesus. And this changes how we parent. When we find not our righteousness in the success or the failure of our children or the success or our failure of our ability to be a good parent that day. Be a good parent. I'm not saying that. Do that. But you will fail. And when we find our righteousness in Christ, rather than in our performance, it changes completely how we parent. It's not based on how well we juggle our our schedules, the kind of shoes we're able to put on our kids' feet, how many sports practices we get our kids to on time. Mothers, your identity is not in your kids' grades, your husband's mood, or your ability to keep it all together when everything goes wrong. Your meeting in this life is not based on how big the cake is, your ability to volunteer as a homeroom mom, or if you made it to exercise three months ago. We are in Christ, united to Him, new creations. That's where your identity is. And what about those whose children are out of the home? It means that whatever the past held, and whatever you think your record of being a parent is, you're not defined how your children turned out. There may be someone who didn't hear that. You're not defined on how your children turned out. You're not defined by how your children turned out. You're defined by Christ. And He doesn't just love you. He treasures you. He doesn't tolerate you. He has tender compassion towards you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, He rejoices over you with dancing and singing. Is that the image of your Savior when you think of Jesus? See, when we parent with this gospel mentality, there is great freedom. That God works with, through, and against our efforts. Isn't that good news? 
that God works not just with, through, but also against our efforts for the good of our children. I like to do woodworking. It keeps me sane. And you know what? I'm an amateur, a real amateur. And that's not being like, you know, falsely humble or something like that. No, like really, <laughs> really. Now, when I first started doing uh, woodworking, I, I got really frustrated when things didn't turn out right. But you know, when you start to take up a hobby, do you know how to do everything? Well, no, of course not. But my expectation was I should be perfect at this. All my angles should be right. If you, if you know how to get angles right, please talk to me afterwards, right? I, you know, I would measure something five times and it'd still be an inch off. And, then, and, and for a while, I didn't go back out to the shed just because I was just so frustrated. But then when I realized, what am I doing this for? And what are my expectations? And when I realized I am an amateur and a lot of things aren't going to turn out perfect, nothing's going to turn out perfect, and a lot of things aren't going to turn out well, it was so much fun. I've thrown some stuff away. And I had a great time making it. Right? Um, you know, when there is that freedom, that freedom that comes from not finding your identity in something that God doesn't want you to, there is joy. Even in the midst of hard times. Even in the midst when your children are disobedient. Where they think, or they've just done something that's like, really? Wow. There can even be joy then because when there's freedom, when we find our righteousness in Christ and not in our performance, that's actually when things turn out better because we weren't designed to find our identity in our children. When we find our identity in children, you know, they actually can't handle that pressure. It's not healthy. But when we find our identity in Christ and we put Christ first, then your spouse, then your children, hear me say that. That's the order. Your children do not come first. Your children do not come first. Your spouse does. Well, behind, besides God, right? Um, and when that is the case, there is freedom. And there's joy, even in the midst of hardship. When we find our identity in Christ as parents, it allows us to model repentance to our children. It allows us to model repentance to our children, to ask them for forgiveness. You know, because one of the things that if finding our identity in them means that we are communicating to them that I'm perfect, you're not, you need to get in line. When in reality, we share the same problem that our children have. And that's of hearts that are often in rebellion against God. Perhaps as adults, we've gotten better at hiding it. But we know the same struggle of the spirit and the flesh if they're Christians. And if they're not Christians, we still experience, we we can identify with the struggle with the flesh, right? And and so it is a powerful thing. If we have been freed from having our identity in our ability to parent well, what this does is it allows us to admit it when we're wrong. And that is a powerful thing to model for your children. When is the last time, fathers and mothers, that you asked your child for forgiveness? Because I know you've messed up. How do I know that? Because you're a sinner just like me. And, and even when I'm trying hard and I've prayed up well in my, my heart, I mean, I, my anger, my frustration, I get snappy, I get selfish. And it's a powerful thing to say, Thomas, Lizzie, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. You know that models for them? That everyone needs Jesus. Because here's the thing, it changes how we discipline, Right? You must discipline your children. You must. That's going to 
look different in different contexts, but there are consequences for sin. That's how God works. God disciplines us. Well, you must discipline your children, period. Otherwise, you will reap what you've sown much later. But it changes how we discipline our children. Because it becomes no longer just about obedience, but now it becomes about their hearts. You think about uh, in the military, the drill sergeant can yell at those new recruits for, a, for loud enough and long enough to make them do what he requires. Does he have their heart? No. Right? Is that how we think of parenting? See, true obedience comes from the heart. And so we go not just for obedience, but for their hearts, because mommy and daddy, they need God to change their hearts too. So mothers, be careful of the wrong expectations and rest in Jesus. Rest in Jesus. Because here's the thing, when are we strong? When are we the strongest as parents? Well, there's this other passage we read in 2 Corinthians 12. Read in verse 9, And following my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, if, if, if someone ever tells you they have it all together, they have all the answers, I don't care what the subject is, they're lying. Right? Or they fooled themselves, or a combination there of the two. And so we come to this thing with humility and this weakness that he's talking about, right? It is the admission that we can't do it apart from Christ. I I am weak and I don't know. Lord, help me. My grace is sufficient for you. That, That really does mean that God will help you do everything He requires of you. There's nothing in godly parenting that we are unable to do on our own strength. There's nothing you can do on your own to be a godly parent apart from Christ. That's not how He wired it. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell upon me. How do, don't you want the power of Christ in your parenting? I know I sure do. And so the answer to this one, to going up, is not up, it's down. Right? Down is up and up is down. Whoever wants to gain their life must lose it. Whoever seeks to gain their life will lose it. Uh, so this is the same thing in parenting. Lord, I don't know. Help me. You know, it's amazing you've never parented your child at this stage before. You had never done it before. Even if you had another child that is older, this is a different child. You've never done this before. And when you haven't done something before, what do you need to do? Admit that you need help. And it's okay. See, we don't parent alone. We parent as a church. Younger parents, if you need help parenting or learning what it means to discipline your child you got all these older parents here. We're strong and older parents at our church, right, who have done this before. Well, let me say this as we move towards closing. You know that means I've got like at least 15 minutes left. You know, uh, this is, this is a, I do want to acknowledge that Mother's Day is a day that can be hard for many. And, and for some here, uh, it probably was a struggle coming today. And so I want to talk about the healing that can come from the gospel, no matter what you're struggling with today. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say to you, well, yeah, you know who you are. We'll put it that way. Christ loves you when your parents did not. I've been blessed with a wonderful mother, 
Uh, I hope my mom's watching today. She's amazing. Catherine Johnson, wonderful, wonderful woman. I've been, I was blessed with one of my grandmothers. This is my grandmother's Bible. I always put it up here on Mother's Day. It's torn apart. I mean, there's just, there is, is, it is held together literally by tape. Um, but not everybody had that experience. And many people bear deep wounds from mothers and fathers. Um, and Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And he, he loves you when your parents did not. Let me say that um, Christ gives you the strength to forgive those who have hurt you. Um, true, true healing's got to come through forgiveness. It really does. I know it's hard. And let's talk about it if you want to talk through things. But true healing comes through forgiveness. And Jesus can help you with that. Thirdly, Christ gives you grace to work through the hurts of infertility. Christ can help you. And finally, Christ gives you himself. Ultimately, that's the point of the gospel. That Christ gives us himself. And we yearn for the day when Christ returns and makes all things new. Uh, When this is a new creation. Uh, when, When none of these issues exist. But healing doesn't have to wait until that day. See, Christ's kingdom has come and it is coming. And the future kingdom is crashing down on the present. And there is healing now. Um, So as believers, we're going to parent differently with different expectations, find our righteousness in someone else other than our children or your husband or your work or your performance. And we're going to do it as we rest on Jesus. This is all dependent on if you know Jesus or not. Jesus loves you, and he died on the cross uh, for you to pay for your sins. He is propitiation for your sins. That's one of those fancy you know, $20 words. What does that mean? It means he soaked up the wrath of God for you that you deserve. Why? Why? Because he loves you. Why does he love you? Because he loves you. That's all the answer we have. And it is to, his, to the praise of his glorious grace that, uh, that we get to serve him now and forever. Let's pray. And so, Father, we thank you for your glorious grace. And, Lord, we thank you for our mothers. Bless them this day. Uh, We thank you for your love. Help us then, Lord, also to find our identity not in our performance, whatever that looks like, whatever context, but to find our identity in you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.